You're worthy of our praise, Lord. We just thank You that You're with us in this moment, God. We thank You that You've never left us and You're not gonna leave us now, Lord. Lord, prepare our hearts for what we're gonna hear from You now, God. I thank You that You're gonna speak to us and it's on purpose that we're here today to hear from exactly what You have to say, God. So we just quiet our minds and we just ask for peace so we can hear You, Lord. Amen. You can all have a seat. Wow, this looks different to youth, that's for sure. (laughs) Um, My name is Hannah. Um, I am a social work student at university. Um, I work at a high school as a teacher's aide, but if you want to know any more exciting things about me, you can talk to me afterwards. (laughs) Um, Yeah, let's just dive straight into it. I just want to get straight into it and not waste time. So I want to talk to you today about our one-on-one relationship with God. And I specifically want to discuss how we outwork this relationship by talking to God or prayer. Recently, God has been teaching me the difference between the things I am upfront with God about and the things that I actually hide behind my back from God. Today, I want to encourage us to get into the habit of recognising what we are hiding behind our backs from God, repositioning it in its spot at the front of Him and releasing it to God's control. So there are a lot of things that we have gotten used to talking to God about, the things that we are upfront with God about. Um, This could be praying for the day ahead or praying for your family or that your work presentation will go well or that you'll find a parking spot. Now, this dialogue with God is great, but today I want to suggest that there are a lot of things that we are keeping from God behind our backs when we talk to Him. While we speak about the things that we think are easy for God to handle or able to be solved at the front, we hold behind our backs situations, people, worries and burdens that we are either trying to control ourselves or we're suppressing and ignoring completely. And these things that we hide from God could be an addiction that you have and you can't shake, maybe a deep-rooted depression, maybe fears of your future finances and living stability, maybe anxiety about relationships or that you'll never find yourself in one. Maybe you're hiding the fear of what the next 10 years will look like. Maybe it could be an insecurity about yourself. Maybe it's a fear for the future of your unbelieving friends and family members. Or maybe you've just forgotten about that sickness that you've been living with for a really long time. And hiding these things can create distance and disconnection in our relationship with God. And in a way, it actually forfeits the gift that He gave when He died to put shame to death so we could have an open honest relationship with him. So why do we hide these things from God? Well, in the case of the things that you might be shameful of, it could be because you're simply too far deep into shame that you don't want to tell God and you're worried maybe what he'll do if you tell him. Or maybe you think you are too far gone to heal. Adam and Eve actually found themselves in this position when they ate the fruit that they weren't supposed to and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. It says in Genesis 3 verses 8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. 
But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. This is a perfect example of how shame immediately and literally in this case separates man from God as they hide in response to shame. And this is the same response to shame that we can have in our lives today. You may also hide things from God because of anxiety or a need to control the situation yourself. You might do this so that you can try to guarantee the outcome. Maybe you do it because it's too stressful to talk about it, so it's easier if you look after it yourself. Or maybe because you can manage it by just pretending that it doesn't exist at all. You could also hide something from God because you actually want to stay in control. Maybe you want to keep a bad habit to yourself because it is comfortable and enjoyable and you aren't actually ready to give it up. Maybe it's gossip, talking negatively, maybe comfort eating or binging and obsessing over social media. Or finally, you might even hide a resentment from God that you have towards someone who hurt you. And you don't want to expose your bitterness and possibly end up having to forgive someone that you aren't ready to. So I hope by now you've recognised something that you might be hiding behind your back from God. And I want to acknowledge that this can be a heavy and hurtful feeling. But please bear with me because God never leaves us alone to feel burdened and we aren't finished yet. So we may know what we've been hiding from God, But what are the consequences of keeping things behind our backs from God? Well, we know that when we do talk to God, his response is to shed light and goodness and blessing over our situations. And I'll get to more of that later. But in the opposite way, when we don't talk to God about things and we let them fester in our mind or we listen to our self-talk or we simply just leave it behind our backs, it actually ends up just sitting in the dark. You see, when we leave things behind our backs, unattended to or in the stressful hands of our own control, the devil does all he can to keep these things hidden and isolated from the light. The longer these feelings of shame and hopelessness stay where they are in the dark, the more exhausted we become carrying these burdens alone and we begin to see them as a lost cause. It's kind of like a plant that we don't put in the light and it just starts to shrivel up. And then we're like, well, what's the point now to save it? Because it's basically dead. And before you know it, in our situations, the devil has completely affirmed that that addiction or insecurity or that future of your non-believing friend or that depression, that these things now have no hope of shaking. And this is your life sentence to carry it behind your back. And just as all these things become hopeless... God stops us here and responds to us so clearly in his word. And this is your designated on-purpose moment to hear that God is saying to you, bring it to me and hand it over. Matthew 11 verse 28 says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. It couldn't be more simple than that. See, when we bring things forward out from behind our backs, they get a chance to receive light, which is all God is. Regardless of how painful, how hopeless, how stressful our situations may be, when we even just mention these things to God, hope comes. 
Freedom comes, acceptance comes, and the fears and lies that we've been telling ourselves start to be stripped away as God breathes truth on our situations. Psalm 55 verse 22 puts it so beautifully. It says, cast your burden on the Lord. In the Amplified, it says, release it, and he will sustain and uphold you. He will never allow the righteous or those who release their burdens, he will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Luke 18 verses 27 says, What is impossible with man is possible with God. The same God who resurrected Lazarus from the dead can resurrect your broken relationship. The same God who made ways out of Egypt can make a way out of your addiction or your illness. The same God who rescued men from a blazing fire can rescue your family member from unbelief in God. And so I can say all this and it feels good and that's great. But how do we actually bring these things into the light when we've become so accustomed to hiding them behind our back? And it's scary. So now I want to take us through four kind of steps that I find really useful for releasing control of the things we've been hiding behind our backs. These four steps are going to be real, remind, release and repeat. After we've recognised what it is we might be hiding by our own reflection or what God's revealed to us, then we simply need to be real with God about how we feel about the situation. I've found that when everything is utterly hopeless, this is the only way to enter God's presence, to be honest about how we feel and maybe about how awful the situation just is. I love how David demonstrates this honesty over and over again in Psalms. In chapter 22, verse 14, he just honestly says, My life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. And he says in Psalm 18, verses 6 in the message, A hostile world I call to God, I cry to God to help me. From his palace, he hears my call, and I love this part. My cry brings me right into his presence, a private audience. So being real with God is the best first place to start. But it can also be a hard and really sad place to dwell in. And that is why the next step is to remind yourself who God is. I think it's actually key to take a second to go back on the past and reflect who God has been, how faithful he's been, and how he's never let you down in the past. And after you've remind yourself, reminded yourself on who he has been, we also need to remind ourselves on who he is as, as a character. Maybe you just need to repeat the words provider, or healer, or hope giver, or Lord over all, or in control, and say the words again for when you've stopped believing it for the situations that you've been hiding behind your back. Psalm 77 verse 11 says, Once again, I'll go over what God has done. Lay out on the table the ancient wonders. I'll ponder all the things you've accomplished and give a long, loving look at your acts. Oh God, your way is holy. No God is great like God. After we've reminded ourselves who God is, we can then feel empowered to actually do something about our hidden burdens. And this is finally the key point, which is to release them to God. God is asking us to do this in Psalm 55 verse 22 when he says to cast your burden on the Lord, release it. 
It is one thing to stop hiding our burdens from God and bring them to the front of him, but I believe that these burdens still have the ability to weigh us down if they're still in our hands, regardless of whether in the front or in the back. We need to make a decision to release control of the outcomes and desires of our situations and place our worries in the hands of the one who has it all sorted out and who actually works his best in our weakness. Psalm 35 verse 7 says, Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. That is a promise. And I feel this key passage in Psalm 32 verses 3 in the message captures all of these stages so far together. When I kept it all inside, my bones turned to powder. My words became day-long groans. The pressure never let up. All the juices of my life dried up. Then I let it all out. I said, I'll come clean about my failures to God. Suddenly the pressure was gone. My guilt dissolved. My sin disappeared. These things add up. Every one of us needs to pray. When all hell breaks loose and the dam bursts, we'll be on high ground untouched. So, so far we've done the steps being real with God about how we feel, reminding ourselves who God is and actually releasing it to his control. But this decision to release our hidden burdens to God is not a one-time decision today in church. It is actually a daily decision because if we don't make a daily decision to hand these things over, we will easily fall back into our old habits of looking after things ourselves, which which results in them sitting in the dark again. And if you feel like you're getting increasingly anxious about something again or you're falling back into a habit, maybe it's time to reflect on when the last time was that you released your burdens to God again. So finally, after repeat, the beautiful outcome of all of this is rest. It may not feel like the situation or the salvation for someone or the habit is fixed and solved the first time you release it to God, But day by day, I can guarantee that hope will start to appear again and you will start to see the ways that God has been working for good all along. So I recognise that I've thrown a lot at you today and you still may feel really overwhelmed with the task to hand these burdens over. But God is gentle and patient and kind and he is in it for the long haul with you. So I want to join you in this first step of the journey of releasing control because he doesn't want you to miss this opportunity to start the process and start to be upfront with him again. So would you close your eyes with me for a second? And before anything that we say or try to do, I just want to read Jeremiah 29 verse 10 where God says, speaking to you, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I will listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. God, I just thank you that you're a God who does the heavy lifting for us. I thank you that you already know what we are hiding because before we even say anything, You know our hearts and you created us, Lord. I just pray now that you will help us to be honest and real with you about how we're feeling. I thank you that you already know how we're feeling, God, and that you're right there comforting us. 
Lord, I just pray that you will remind us who you are and remind us that this situation isn't a lost cause. And God, finally, I just ask for your power and strength, Lord, to give us the ability to let go of these things and to continually keep giving them back to you. I thank you that when we do that, your peace is going to come, Lord, and that you promise that when we seek you, you, we will find you, God. So I just pray now that we can release these burdens, Lord, and I just pray you remind us continually each day to keep giving them back over to you. Amen. I'm going to hand straight over to the wonderful Mikey Hussein. Awesome. Thanks, Hannah. Wow, honestly, that was incredible. I, th- I feel like I almost don't need to preach at all. And even, even Dan speaking over communion, I feel like everybody sort of set up sort of the basis of what I wanted to speak on. So I'm kind of like, oh, great. This is going to be easy. <laughs> um, How's everybody doing this morning? Have you had a good week? Have you had a good morning? I pray that God's been evident in your life. Um, I just wanted to thank Hannah, first of all, for being faithful and for being someone that really looks into God's word and goes, what is God trying to say right now to me, to the people of his church? And um, just putting in that much time and effort into it. Kobe and Hannah are an incredible couple. Um, We got to go, yeah, you can give them a round of applause. (laughs) the, the three of us actually on Friday night got to go up to Tamworth and um, we helped lead worship at a Youth Alive event. That was uh, There's four churches out there and they've all done a combined youth night. And it's incredible. Like We are incredibly blessed with the creative team that we have here and the creative team that we even have in our youth ministry and these guys look after that. Um, these churches, right, they don't do worship like ever. And for me, it's like every week, Sunday, Friday, we always do a set. We do four songs of worship or something and these guys like they're small enough and they don't get the chance to actually enter into the presence of God through music and it was such a blessing to go up and introduce that to them um and these guys like they carried it like I was just playing guitar and but they they like led worship incredibly and like young people experiencing worship for the very first time it's incredible so it was an honor to do that and like yeah I just want to shout out to you guys because you're awesome so um this is probably be pretty quick. I'm going to fly through it. And honestly, like I said, everybody's kind of set up the basis for my what I wanted to speak on. So it's, I'm just going to jump straight off that and then we'll probably sing again. So this message is called Relying on God's Faithfulness. Um, kind of what, like how Hannah was talking about the nature of God. Um, one of his most key natures is his faithfulness. Um, and I hope this message is clear and I hope it encourages you in your faith. This idea actually came from Sammy and I speaking, um, just talking about things in our lives where we had been so aware of how faithful God has been to us. We've been married now for one year and two weeks. <laughs> we had our one year anniversary two weeks ago ish, two weeks tomorrow. Um, and it was. So much fun. If you don't know, we got uh, married in lockdown a year ago and did it with 11 of our most closest people, our family and our two best friends. And it was really, really special. But two weeks ago, we got to celebrate with all of our closest friends again as well and do a proper party and everything. So that was really fun. But looking back on the year that we've had um, and just the life we've had um, in general, we... God's faithfulness has been so evident in our lives and it's something that we can never say that we did. There's, it was never us going, 
you know, I have so much faith and God has provided because of my faith. He's just been faithful regardless. Um, so I wanted to speak real quickly. Um, faithfulness is, can also be described as trustworthy or something that you can rely on. If you have faith in something, it's you have faith that it's going to happen, that it's going to come through, that, you know, someone has promised that they're going to come and help you move house on the weekend and their faithfulness is that they came and did it. They actually came through and they made it happen for you. Um, and in the Bible, it's also sometimes referenced as the word emet, um, which can be sort of interchanged from faithfulness to trust, trustworthiness and a few other variations of that. Um, so God's faithfulness in the Bible. There are, there are countless times in the Bible of God being faithful to his people, you know, from Abraham and all his generations um, to the prophecies about Jesus being completely fulfilled all the way through, even God's promise to Mary that she'd give birth to the Messiah and so many other things like that. Faithfulness is actually in God's nature and it's, a, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. That's, um, it's one of the things that he does naturally. You know, you, you might look at someone and go, you're a natural speaker or, you know, I find music is kind of a natural thing for me and it's, there's not really a reason why I do it, but I just kind of do it out of my own, like it's just part of my character, it's who I am. And faithfulness is part of God's character. Um, so there's two verses in the Bible that I think outline and show God's faithfulness in terms of his nature, of his, the nature of his faithfulness. So this is in Joshua 21, verses 43 to 45. And it's kind of speaking generally about the Levites and the towns that God has promised to them. So it says, The Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors, and, and they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their ancestors. Not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hands. And the last verse I, I've I think stood out to me a lot. Not one of all Lord, not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. That just shows the character of God that He promised. He put something in place. He said, "I will fulfill these things," and He came through and did it. Um, and um, another verse that sort of stood out to me as well about the character of God and His faithfulness is in Jeremiah. And it's God actually speaking about how He's bringing judgment on His people for turning away from Him. But then towards the end of the chapter, He, he articulates this, which I think shows His faithfulness just perfectly. So it's Jeremiah 32 verse 40. This is in the message as well. He says, What's more, I'll make a covenant with them that will last forever a covenant to stick with them no matter what and work for their good. I'll fill their hearts with a deep respect for me so that they'll not even think of turning away from me. And I, I love how it says, I'll make a covenant with them that will last forever. It's something that will never go away. God's faithfulness is not something that it's like you earn it. You don't have to do anything to gain his faithfulness. It's part of who he is. It's part of what he does because he loves us. Um, and, Evidence of faithfulness in our lives has been just insane over the last little season. Um, many people here would know that I've battled like a skin condition. I've, I've had eczema my whole life and it's um, since I was a kid. And there's regularly, uh, in, opposing to that, there's this regular overwhelming sense of peace that God has a plan for me and he has a plan regardless of whether I'm going through a physical battle or anything like that. 
Um, and I believe, I believe that God gives us a gift of peace and understanding when we need it the most. I believe that it's his peace that reminds us that he's in control and that he's not done with us and that his plan is still at work. And um, I, I wanted to point out that, like, you know, coming, growing up with something with an illness, and many, many people in this room would have gone through similar things or gone through family stuff or anything like that. Um, I look back on it now and I go, it's not like I had to go, I had to wait for God to do a physical miracle for him to prove that he was faithful. It's not like I had to go like, oh, okay, now I've been healed and that's why God's faithful. It's, it's actually that the proof is that he never left my side and never abandoned me throughout those circumstances that I go through, that throughout my life I've seen the evidence of God's power working in my life, regardless of whether I was facing a battle or not. And I think that's a testament to God's faithful nature, is that he, it doesn't actually, like, it doesn't actually matter that whether he's answered your prayer or whether he's ticked that box that you wanted him to tick. He was faithful all the way from the start. Um, and similarly, people, I'm sure many people would know that, sadly, last year we lost... Man, I didn't think this would be this hard. <laughs> We lost Sammy's little brother last year. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to cry. <laughs> um, as, it, as it seems, everybody knows what happened. Um, it was a hectic time in our lives. And as devastating as it was, and I never want to be someone that pretends that something like that didn't happen. Exactly what Hannah was saying, actually. Like, putting these things behind you and hiding them is, and not bringing them into the light is probably the worst thing you can do. <laughs> um, but over this year since that, I've experienced and we've experienced God's faithfulness throughout this season more than I've ever seen before in my life. <laughs> in the middle of something like that, it's so easy to feel like God has abandoned you and feel like that his love has disappeared, or it's something that you don't have access to for some reason. Like it's something where you go, oh, how do I, how do I actually reconnect with God? But I think how to describe that so perfectly is just slowing down and waiting and making time to focus on him. Um, you know, through, through our marriage and through things that just have kind of dropped into place without us even really striving for it, like having a place to live and having, you know, stable jobs that can support that. Like, even though we've went through all this stuff, God has been opening doors and being faithful throughout all this stuff. And we honestly feel like we are so much stronger on the other side of it. <laughs> and it's something that God has used for good, like he does. Um, yeah, I think, I think in those seasons, it can actually be us abandoning God as well rather than him abandoning us. It's, it's us going, actually, God, I'm choosing not to focus on how faithful you've actually been because I'm hurting. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's something that takes time to work through and to overcome. And I think all you have to really, all, well, it sounds simple, but <laughs> in a sense, you have to just be able to slow yourself down Focus on God, pray, spend time in his word and try to open that door again because like it says in his word, he's just still there knocking. He's not, he's, it's not like he's gone, oh, you're going through something tough, so I'm just going to leave that door closed for uh, you know, two years or something. <laughs> he's, not, he's not walked away from the door. He hasn't given up on that. 
the whole time that you've been going through something, he's still there just knocking and he's waiting for you to open it. Um, if the band wants to join me, I'm about to wrap it up. Um, oh, class already here. <laughs> that was magic. <laughs> um, we sometimes have this little illustration in church, right, where I think Benny's actually used it for the Sharing Our Faith series where we, we, we show like a scale and there's a zero is in the middle of the scale and that's the point of salvation, right? That's the point where someone goes, yeah, I want to follow Christ. And then kind of either side of that, it's like sort of plus 10 is like super Christians, if you want to put it that way, or like people that are just truly like connected with God in a way that's very deep in their life. And then sometimes on the other end of the scale, you have the minus 10 where someone that maybe doesn't want to come to church, someone that doesn't want to have anything to do with God. And we use that analogy to say that like when we, when we want to encourage someone to come to church or something, our job is not to get them from like minus 10 to plus 10. It's not our job to get them from being super far from God and then instantly being in their word every day. It's, it's, it's up to us. We can just do plant little seeds and we can just nudge them maybe up the scale one point. So now they're a minus nine and they're slightly closer to coming to church. And I love that analogy when it comes to sharing faith. And it's really helpful. Kind of takes the pressure off. It's kind of like we don't have to strive so much to be like, you need to be the best Christian right now. It's like, actually, I'm just going to love you. And I hope you've moved just a tiny bit more up the scale. But in relation to faithfulness, I was thinking about this. Um, and I was thinking about how faithfulness relates to where someone might be on that scale. Um, God's faithfulness specifically. And I came to the conclusion that it actually doesn't matter where you are on that scale. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter whether you're in the darkest season in your life or whether you're in the top of the mountaintops. God is faithful to you no matter where you are on that scale. You could be a minus 10 living far from God and God could equally be, God is equally as faithful to you as he would be to the friend next to you who's a plus 10 feeling like they're absolutely killing it with their relationship with God. Um, I think that's the, the grace of that is so comforting to me. It's a thing where I can be reminded that no matter what season I'm in, God is still faithful. He's still moving. He's still got a plan. Um, and I wanted to go back into this song to wrap us up. Um, and I wanted to quickly read these lyrics it says, as far as heights reach from the depths, as far as east is from the west, so far your grace has carried me. And then it says, until I see you face to face, until at last I've won my race, remind me that you're not finished yet. And then the bridge of this song is so, so, so simple, but sometimes that's all we need. And declaring this over your life, declaring this over your situation when you've been going through a storm or even when you've been going through the best season, declaring this over your life and speaking it out over your life is the best thing you can do. And it says, you've been so, so good to me. You've been so, so good to me. Oh, to think where I would be if not for you, if not for you. And I think putting that at the front of our minds, no matter what we're going through, is the goal. So I just wanted to pray over any situations that are going that people are going through in this season and anything that might be happening in your life and then we're going to sing this song again and I pray that you just engage and really allow God to open up and remind you of how comforting he is and the peace that he gives. So Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that you are a faithful God, that you we can put our trust solely in you, Lord. 
Lord, I pray if there's anything that's happening in people's lives today, Lord, that you would just remind us that you are faithful, that, Lord, you have a plan, that you are not done yet, and that you have set things before us that we may not even know about yet. And, Lord, I pray that you would just reveal those to us in these next moments, Lord that we can ultimately focus on you, Father, that you would have all the glory and all the honour and all the praise, Lord. So, Lord, we just want to worship you and give it all over to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.